Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast. This is episode 20, The Manual. My name is Jesse Ellertson and I am a life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to stop feeling mentally miserable in the process. You know what to do and you're doing it all while holding down the fort at home, but you are weary from living in survival mode and battling with your brain. If you are ready to thrive, then you are in the right place. Our battle buddy moment for this episode is a review on my podcast from Spiritual Flame. And she says, I love listening to Jessie. She has helped me a ton through my husband's deployment and even now after. Her podcasts are amazing and just got right to home on the struggles we face as military spouses and also give amazing guidance on how to work through that and thrive. Thank you so much for leaving me that review. Um, Today we're talking about having a manual for the people in our lives. I don't know why, but whenever I hear that word manual, I think of the movie WALL-E when the ship captain has to look into the operator's manual to see what he's supposed to do next, but he doesn't even know how to use a book or open turn pages or anything. And so he calls the manual Manuel, like it's a person and he's trying to talk to it and saying like, Manuel, tell me what's next. But it's just a book. It won't, it won't open up for him. He has to use his hands to open the book. And that always makes me laugh. Anyway, I want you guys to imagine an actual like book, a user manual, and think about how in our lives we create user manuals for the ways we want people to behave that are around us, that we interact with on a daily basis. So I'm going to give you some examples to help you understand what I mean. And so most of us have a husband manual or a spouse manual, and it might have some things written in there like good husbands should listen when I speak. Good husbands should not leave stuff on the floor. Good husbands should remember my birthday and our anniversary. My husband manual used to be very thick and I am working on not having a manual for my husband anymore. Um, And it's interesting that each sentence for me at least would start with good husbands should. And it's like this in all my manuals actually. So then my next example is you might have like a daughter or a son manual. So I have five daughters and so mine is a daughter manual. And so mine says things like, Good daughters should not roll their eyes at you. Good daughters say I love you back when you say I love you to them. Good daughters do not tell lies. Um, You might have a neighbor manual. Good neighbors bring treats at Christmas or good good neighbors get the mail when I'm out of town. Here's one that's my favorite and it's actually going to be my in the trenches moment for this episode. I have a toddler manual that I'm working on. meaning I'm working on not having it. And I'll explain that to you guys in a little bit. Um, Good toddlers take naps and good toddlers pee in the toilet. (laughs) So my toddlers have been, mainly my three-year-old, giving me a little bit of some challenging behavior lately. Uh, My three-year-old's been potty trained for a year and just in this last week has had several accidents and I'm not really sure what's going on. And I know that this happens at times. My, My higher brain, my rational brain understands that this just happens at times. But my lower brain is cracking open my toddler manual and saying, look, see, it says it right here. Good toddlers pee in the toilet. And she's not peeing in the toilet. Like, alert. It's so funny. Um, And my three-year-old is also struggling to take naps. I still lay her down for quiet time every day. And I'm always crossing my fingers that she'll fall asleep. But just as of the last couple of weeks, I've only been getting one or two naps a week and mostly just um, a lot of 
her getting up and saying, can I be awake yet? So my in the trenches moment for this episode is um, a couple of days ago when my toddler was supposed to be napping and I actually thought she was. I was in my office getting a little work done and she very quietly crept downstairs and um, she was able to move like our ottoman over to the fireplace and then put a stool on top of that and then climb on top of the stool to reach our, we keep uh, Christmas chocolate in this cute little sleigh up. I put it up high on our fireplace so that the little kids can't reach it. And um, my big kids know how to kind of manage their candy intake, but my toddlers do not. And so I thought for sure it was too high for her to reach, but she managed to do that. And then she grabbed a handful of the candy or the chocolate and took it up into her room and opened all the chocolate and ate it all. And all this time, I think she's just asleep. And later when I went to, or later she got up and we moved on with our day and everything. And even, you know, another hour or so later after that, I was upstairs for another reason and looked in her room and there were candy wrappers everywhere. And I had seen the stools propped up right there, but I hadn't pieced it together because my kids just do stuff like that. They build forts and they move things around. And I just sort of thought it was part of, Grace's game from earlier in the day and I hadn't seen it. And so I confronted her and I said, Grace, what is this? Did you eat chocolate? Did you sneak chocolate? She knows what sneaking means because I talk about how she can have chocolate. She just needs to ask me first. And sometimes I'll say yes. And sometimes I'll say no, but we always ask. And she said, no, I didn't. I didn't sneak. And I showed her all the wrappers and I said, did you eat this chocolate, Grace? And she said, no, I didn't eat any chocolate. So she just flat out lied to my face. And that's all pretty normal behavior, but in that moment, my lower brain did crack open my toddler user manual and say, good toddlers don't lie, they take naps, they don't sneak chocolate, they always ask mom when they want something. I mean, it just has this like unrealistic expectation of what good toddlers do. And the reason that I have that in my manual is because if she always takes naps and she always pees in the toilet and she never lies to me and she never sneaks chocolate and she always asks when she needs something, then I get to feel exactly the way I want to feel. That's what my lower brain is offering me. That if she would just control her behavior and model the behavior I have outlined in my manual, then life is good and all is well. But we all know rationally that that's not how life works. So just to take that story even one more layer, a little bit funnier, um, that night my husband and I were watching uh, like a cops show. We were watching a Utah Highway Patrol stops and usually they're drug busts and that's just really entertaining for us we like watching that and we were laughing at these criminals who were pretending that they hadn't done anything wrong they were pretending that they weren't under the influence and they thought they were doing a really good job lying to the cops and yet they go to walk on the line you know and they can't walk in a straight line and the one guy said like oh I think my leg's about to break like his bones were about to break and that's why he wasn't able to walk straight on the line not that he was under the influence of methamphetamines but that his bones and his leg were about to break and the cop said to him oh well I've never seen this test make anyone else's legs break you know he was just kind of playing along a little bit and it was just so funny because then the cops would say do you have anything illegal in your car and they'd say no no I don't you know so they're just lying and it just shows me that they're definitely in their toddler brain because that was exactly we were laughing so hard because that was exactly what my toddler had done earlier that day when I confronted her about her problem and she we we were laughing also during the cop show because these criminals are really 
dumb. They really are leaving like a lot of evidence out and they are lying really poorly and they're, they're not crafty people, these ones getting caught. And that's exactly what my toddler was doing. She left all the evidence out and then just lied to my face about it, thinking she was totally going to get away with it. And it was so funny. Anyway, I have a couple more examples for you. Another one is you may have like a coworker user manual that good coworkers don't touch my stuff. Good coworkers do not bring stinky items for lunch that when they heat them up in the in the break room that we all get to smell it all day. And good coworkers celebrate my birthday. Um, you might have a boss manual. Good bosses tell me I'm doing a great job. Good bosses value my work and see my potential. You might have a mother-in-law manual. Good mother-in-laws check with me before they buy my kids presents. Good mother-in-laws don't feed my kids tons of candy. And lastly, because we even have manuals for ourselves and it really doesn't serve us to do so. And so you might have a personal manual and it might say something like good people or good moms, or if I were a good person, then I would never make mistakes and I would always be on time and I would never yell at my kids. Okay, now I want to say that I'm not saying that it wouldn't be great if these things were happening. And I'm not saying we shouldn't try for great things. But the way that our lower brain offers us by having a manual and then we're all supposed to follow these manuals is completely unproductive. And I want to show you why. So we have manuals for people so that they will know how to behave. Because then we think if they follow our manuals and behave that way, that we'll feel a certain way. And the reason that we think this is because when they do follow our manuals, we do feel great. But it's not because of the way that they've behaved. It's because of the way we're thinking. So if our husband follows our manual we have for him, then we're spending time thinking, I have a great marriage and he loves me and I'm so lucky. And that's why we feel great, not because of what they're doing. And if our boss is spending a lot of time validating our work and finding value in what we have to offer and telling us we're doing a great job, or we have great coworkers that are following our manuals, then we might spend a lot of time thinking, I'm so lucky. I have a great job. I love being at work. But it's not because of what they're doing. It's because of those thoughts that we're thinking. And this is the same for when we feel poorly, when people do not follow our manual. Our lower brain says we feel poorly because they didn't do this thing or because they did do this thing. And that's not in our manual or that's against something that is in our manual. And so then our solution that our lower brain offers us is we'll feel better if they follow our manual. But when they don't follow what's in our manual, we feel poorly because we're thinking thoughts like, oh no, my marriage is in trouble, or oh no, my kid doesn't love me, or oh no, I'm a bad mom, or I need to move, my neighbors are crazy. We're thinking those things and that's why we feel poorly. It's not because of their behavior. So I have a couple of solutions for you for this problem. My first solution is that everyone in our lives, including ourselves, should have a manual, but it should only ever say one thing. Remember, this is including your manual. The thing in your manual that is the only thing that's allowed to be there that will serve you is my husband should be himself. I should be myself. My boss should be himself. My coworker should be herself. My daughter should be herself. And people are really good at being themselves, including you. You are really good at being yourself. And that should be the only thing in your manual. So don't worry, I'm coming around to where we get to try to be great people and make requests of the people around us so that we can live an enjoyable life. We're not just encouraging awful behavior around us and like rubbing our faces in it. 
We're just trying to get a handle on when we spend time thinking, when this person behaves this way, I feel this way. And when this person behaves this other way, then I feel better. That is us skipping the thought line. That's taking a circumstance, the way you behaved or someone else behaved, and skipping right to the feeling line of then I feel this way. But the thought is always in between. The thought always precedes the feeling. And our lower brain is the one that wants us to skip the thought line. And the reason this is a big problem is the thought line is the one thing in our control. And for the most part, people do not follow our manuals. And that's just because we're human beings, not because they want you to feel poorly, not because they don't love you and care about you. It's none of those reasons. It's just because they're human beings and so are we. And if our happiness hinges on them following our manual, we are going to suffer. So the next solution I have for you for this problem is that we need to do for ourselves what we have in other people's manuals. And so what that means is if you take your husband manual that I listed before, some of those examples, like my good husband's remember birthdays and anniversaries, you say, I love my birthday and our anniversary. And it's important to me that we celebrate and that he remembers. So I'm going to make sure he remembers. I'm going to remind him that my birthday is next week or that our anniversary is coming up and tell him what I want to have happen that day. And if another thing in your husband manual is to not leave stuff on the floor, then I'm going to make it a priority to frequently remind him when there's stuff on the floor. Because the other option is that he needs to not leave stuff on the floor for me to be happy, which just probably isn't going to happen, or that I need to clean it up. And that doesn't feel great either if that's not what you want to be doing. Sometimes cleaning it up feels great if that's what's important to you and it's not important to him. For your neighbor manual, you can focus on being a good neighbor and asking your neighbor for the things that you're hoping and wanting in a neighbor, but knowing that whether you get it or not, it's totally fine. For my toddler manual, I've been working on saying the reason I that good toddlers that I want good toddlers to take naps is because I need a little break from my toddler in the afternoon so that I can get a little work done and get a little break from all of her awesomeness. And so I know that I can create a break for myself, whether she sleeps or not. And so I've identified that the thing I need is the break, not necessarily the nap. And I cannot force her to fall asleep. She's three years old. She's almost done with taking naps. And every time we hit this transition, I always just pray that it'll go on a little longer because I love nap time. But I can build in that break for myself. Quiet time in her bedroom, watching a show. It's all available to me. Um, Your boss manual that used to say, good bosses tell me I'm doing a great job would start to look like I tell myself that I'm doing a great job and I make sure that my boss sees the work that I'm doing. I value my work. I take time to value my work and I make sure that my boss is aware of the value I'm creating. Here's my toddler right now. Hang on just a second. Okay, I'm back. You guys, I thought she was sleeping. I think our nap time is history. Ooh, I've got to just wrap my mind around that. Anyway, like I was saying, my third solution to this problem is what we call in the life coaching world protocols. So just like pretty much all life coaching tools and concepts, our lower brain kind of wants to point them at other people, but our higher brain knows we need to turn that finger around and point at ourselves. So when you first learn about having manuals, you might really start to see like, oh man, this person has a manual for me, or I can see how this person has a manual for this other person. And you can start to want to like correct it in other people. But I want you to just cool all of that, 
turn your finger around to the manuals that you have and what you can do about it. And so protocols are where we decide who we want to be in the world. And the main way I use the word protocol is actually for my eating protocol, the way I've decided to eat each day as I'm working on my health goals, but it can be used in a lot of different ways. So just like for all these categories that I used to have manuals, now I have protocols. So instead of a husband manual, which now my husband manual just says that Brad be Brad all the way, and I have a wife protocol. And so this is where I decide ahead of time the wife I want to be in any given situation. And I'll give you some examples. So if my husband doesn't listen when I speak, like I said, was used to be my manual, I just let that mean something about him. And when it creates an inconvenient situation where he didn't hear that I was going to be away for the day and he's in charge, I just let him deal with that and be angry about it or annoyed or whatever. And I say, you know, I'm sorry you didn't listen when I told you what was happening. And it's not that he doesn't listen. I think I've talked about this before. He thinks he's listening, but he's not like internalizing sometimes. He tunes me out accidentally when I'm providing lots of helpful information. And so I used to think, I used to spend a lot of time thinking, good husbands listen when their wives speak and I'm giving you such good information. And if you would just internalize it, both of our lives would be so much easier. And that was a very frustrating position to be coming from because that was just based on, I can feel better if you behave differently. And sometimes he does listen and that's great. And sometimes he doesn't. And then we deal with those consequences. But I decide in my wife protocol ahead of time how I want to deal with those consequences. I also decide that when he leaves stuff on the floor, I don't make it a big deal at all. I actually really enjoy having like a perfectly clean room almost all the time. And that's not important to Brad at all. And so I just keep our room clean and I love it. And I love making the bed. And every once in a while he makes the bed and that's super fun. And every once in a while he picks up his own stuff. I mean, like pretty frequently, actually. But I just know that it's important to me and it's my job. And so I just keep our room clean and I love it. And I'm really good at telling him exactly what I want for my birthday, for Christmas, for our anniversaries, reminding him, making sure he remembers. And that's as a wife, that's what I want to do. I want to be a wife who gets to really enjoy those holidays and have my husband remember. And I just make sure that he remembers. And uh, another type of protocol you might have is like a parent protocol, like a mother protocol. And so in my mother protocol, it's important to me that I say I love you to my kids every day. And that's the end of that sentence. Whether they say I love you back to me or not, it's just like frosting on top. It's just bonus. I, I don't need them to say I love you back for me to know I'm a good mom, for me to know that they love me, for me to know that I know that they love them or no, that didn't come out right. For me to know that they know that I love them and for my mothering protocol of toddlers, which isn't necessarily its own protocol, but it's kind of all in there in my mom protocol. When my toddlers pee on the ground, I have them help me clean it up. And we have this little accident song we sing every time they have an accident. And I feel like overall we have a good experience when it happens and it doesn't usually cause any any like anger or chaos where when I'm following my manual for what good toddlers do, then it makes me want to like yell at them when they pee on the ground because I know they know better. So when I follow my mom protocol and we get paper towels and Clorox wipes and we clean it up together while we sing our little accidents happen song from the Elmo's potty time video. That's just what we do every time. And that's in my mom protocol. So you can have protocols for lots of things. You can have um, a daughter-in-law protocol. You can have a business protocol. You can have a sleep protocol. You can have an eating protocol. You can call it whatever you want, but basically it's just where you decide ahead of time 
what you want to do and who you want to be in the world in whatever category you're taking a look at. And then you keep those commitments to yourself. And I just want to tell you that if you make these decisions ahead of time, it's actually pretty simple for the most part. You'll still feel tempted at times to do things the old way. And sometimes you will do things the old way and that's fine. That's just a nice reminder to you of why you do this work to do it the new way. Because it feels so much better to follow your own protocol than to wish other people were following your manual for them. The last thing I want to touch on that is kind of a final solution to this manual problem is making requests and having boundaries. So we should definitely make requests of the people in our lives all day long. Not having a manual for them doesn't mean that we just let them do whatever they want without telling them what we love that they do. We should definitely tell our husband what we love that he does, what means a lot to us when he does, our kids what is important for them to do, and our neighbors and our toddlers and our coworkers and our bosses. We should make requests all day long. But the key component of that is that we make our requests from a place of wanting those things to occur and be in our lives without needing them to be happy. And when they're in our manual, for that person, that's where you've taken them to the place where we think we need them to do that to be happy. And so if you can make requests from that place, you know, if I ask my husband, I love when you don't leave your clothes on the floor and then sometimes he cleans them up and sometimes he doesn't. And neither way affects how I feel, just my thoughts do. And so when he picks them up, I think, great, he picked them up. And when he leaves them on the ground, I think, oh, it must be my turn. And I clean them up. And then both ways, I get to feel how I want to feel. And then the other thing, boundaries that can feel important when we start talking about these things is there are definitely times when people do things that are very problematic for you, but you still get to choose how you feel and feel that way based on your actions and your thoughts. And so boundaries for me, and we're going to go deeper into this in another episode. And I know I also talked about this in uh, my episode where I posted my coaching call with a military wife, but boundaries for me always look like if you continue to blank, then I will blank to take care of myself. And so that can seem like a subtle difference from the way that we can feel like boundaries need to go. But I was finding in my life that I was thinking this person needs to stop doing this behavior so that I can feel better. And again, that's kind of what goes with manuals. But instead to say, if you continue to do this thing, that's problematic for me, because that's an option for them. You can make the request that they stop, but then if they continue to do it because they're people in the world, they're grownups or even their kids and they just have their own agency, if they continue to do it and a lot of times they will, then this is the action that you will take. And so that way you still get to maintain that control and show up in your life the way you want to show up. Okay, that's what I have for you today. Um, Your mission for this episode is to really spend some time visualizing, like with your imagination, this can be really powerful, just visualizing the actual manual that you have for people. And sometimes I'll say funny things like on page eight of my husband manual, it says good husbands, you know, or whatever. On page 22 of my daughter manual, I say, you know, like good daughters get their homework done. And then I kind of laugh at myself and realize how ridiculous it is that I think that I can write up these manuals for people and that that's an effective way to live my life. And then once you have that really good visual, I want you to start to visualize yourself either like ripping pages out and throwing them away or just throwing away the whole manual. And you can kind of do it one person at a time, or you can kind of look at your shelf of manuals and like throw the whole thing out, just whatever works for you visually. 
But I think this can be really helpful to just start to visualize, like I don't use manuals anymore. I used to use manuals. I gained a lot of awareness about what it was like when I used manuals and how that did not serve me. And I don't use manuals anymore. And then really visualize yourself getting rid of those manuals or having those manuals turn into very skinny little pamphlets for each person that just say, the only thing this person needs to do is be themselves on every single person's manual. I mean, like spend some time really visualizing that. And I think that that will help you as you wrap your mind around this concept and see how doing it this new way will really serve you. And when you focus on that one thing that you need to do and everyone else needs to do and spend most of your time focusing on who you want to be and how you want to show up in the world, you're just going to see such a difference in your life and such a higher level of enjoyment and contentment in all your relationships because you don't have these complex manuals for people that you probably haven't told them most of the things in the manual or shown them. You're just thinking that they should know what's in there and hoping that they figure it out or guess correctly of what's in your manual. So that's my mission for you for this episode. And I want to end with um, our hot mess moment. And this is a really funny story from when we lived in Alabama in 2011 and 12, while Brad went to flight school at Fort Rucker. And we had a great time. It was it was a fun chapter in our lives. There were some hard things, as there always are, with you know moving across the country and um, flight school was very busy, very stressful, chaotic for my husband. And I had a baby while I was there, so I had Bruce. And anyway, but it was a very fun chapter. And Alabama is kind of a wild ride. It's a pretty adventurous place to live. Um, we learned a lot about ourselves and about. Uh, this awesome state and the people that live there. So one thing that we decided to do for, we were only there for one Christmas because we were there for like a year and a half and it was just over one Christmas. And we decided to go to this Christmas tree farm and cut down our Christmas tree while my in-laws were visiting. They came out for Thanksgiving and we thought that would be a fun activity to go do as a family to go get our fresh, freshly cut Christmas tree. And I had, like I said, I'd had a baby. And so I had like, he was born in October, my son Bruce. And so he was about like a month and a half old at Thanksgiving. And um, one of my favorite things to do, I've had two babies in the winter. And one of my favorite things to do is when we're up in the middle of the night is to sit by the Christmas tree with no other lights on when I'm like feeding them and taking care of them in the middle of the night. And it's just so quiet and calm and peaceful. And so I was really excited to go get our Christmas tree so that we could decorate it and get it in place so that when I was up in the middle of the night with my, you know, six week old, that I could just enjoy that, that setting. So we go to this fun Christmas tree farm. We walk around. The kids pick the tree. They're really excited. They all take turns cutting it down. We have a great time. And we go and take it up to the people or they come pick it up. I can't remember. But they put it through this kind of like bouncing machine that kind of, that knocked off all of the um, dead pine needles and just like anything that needed to come off it. So they set the tree on it and then they basically like bounce it 20 times really fast. And so kind of all this stuff falls off the tree. And then they wrap it up for you and strap it to your car and you and you take it home. So we took it home and that night we decorated and it was so beautiful. And I think it was one or two nights later. It wasn't the first night, but uh, maybe the next night. It was 2 a.m. and I was sitting on the couch right by the 
Christmas tree, really enjoying the moment, feeding my son and getting, you know, getting ready. I, I was kind of dozing a little bit, I think, while he I was burping him and we were just snuggling and I woke up, I felt something on my face and I was pretty tired. It was the middle of the night and there were no other lights on. So I just kind of batted at my face and like brushed it away. Maybe it was just my hair tickling me. You know, there's lots of things that can kind of make you feel like maybe, oh, was that a bug? Oh no, it was just like a loose hair. And again, I was tired. And so I finished feeding my son. I got his diaper change, wrapped him up, put him back to bed. And I went back to bed. And the next morning, about maybe 6 a.m., I was feeding him again. And this time there was plenty of light because it was starting to get light outside. And I'm sitting on the couch and I look to the side of me and there are bugs everywhere just crawling all over the couch. Now, I like to think that they weren't that bad in the middle of the night and that's why I only felt the one on my cheek but still to this day my skin just crawls when I remember this because I'm sitting there nursing him and I look down and they are just covered covering the couch not quite where I was sitting but over on the arm that was right by the Christmas tree and all we can figure is that there was a nest of bugs in our Christmas tree that either when they bounced it it like woke them up or (laughs) triggered them to hatch or something or I have heard that when that you bring like a tree in from like the cold to the warm, that can trigger the nest to hatch or something. Anyway, awful and horrible and revolting and creepy crawly. And I, I think I probably screamed or something. I'm not super like afraid of bugs, but there's a few things that will put me over the edge, like millions of baby bugs crawling all over my house. And that's not what happened, but that's what felt like what was happening. And so I woke Brad up and the kids woke up and everyone came out to see all the bugs and everyone was freaking out. And Brad immediately just like yanked the Christmas tree out the back door, all decorated and everything. Um, you know, we're losing as it's, as he's pulling it through the sliding glass door, we're like losing ornaments and, um, I'm getting the vacuum so I can just start like vacuuming up all these bugs. And I don't even know what kind of bugs they were. They were like, they kind of look like ants, but they had little wings. Oh, anyway, the story is just so fitting because Alabama, that was, that's like the subtitle of our time in Alabama was like life with bugs because every new season brought out all new, a whole new phase of bugs. And every day you just dealt with like, felt like hundreds of bugs. And every time you went outside, you had to think like, what 28 bugs am I going to come in contact? with and how I'm going to like keep them off my kids and and use bug spray and kill cockroaches and you know not let poisonous spiders eat my children and all these things so that's like the subtitle of our of our time there and it was just this was like the crowning moment where our beautiful peaceful Christmas tree was infested with bugs and so that year our Christmas tree stayed outside we moved it to the front porch And we took a lot of the decorations off, but we left a few on and we've just plugged it in on our front porch so that it would light up. And we did not have a Christmas tree inside our house that year because it stayed on the front porch just in case there were more bugs and more nests. And I just couldn't couldn't wrap my mind around that. So that's just my funny story from our wonderful chapter in Alabama and my bug filled Christmas tree. Thank you guys so much for making time in your day to listen to this episode. If this podcast resonates with you, please send an email to jesse at simplyresilient.net to schedule your free life coaching mini session and see if working with me would be a great fit for you. I would also really appreciate it if you would continue to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And remember that when we choose to intentionally manage our minds, we go from feeling mentally miserable to feeling like a mental warrior. You've got this. I'll talk to you soon. Over and out.